Um, my only question is, if if I have to like go to the like bathroom, can we like pause it and then you you bring it in or? Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're the first person to actually ask it. But I, I'm I'm wondering, have, have I actually made some people piss themselves during an <laughs> interview or something? <laughs> I didn't want to, like, you know, ask you in the middle of the interview and be like, can I go to the bathroom? And then, like, you say no, and then not be in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, no, sorry, dude, you can't go to the bathroom. Like, you either hold it back or... Um... Shrug, like, a glass of water as soon as I wake up. And, like, I did, and I was like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's all good. It'll be a nice Joe Rogan-esque moment. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this uh, new episode. And today I'm really excited to talk with Miguel Blackut. Is that how I say your name? Miguel Blackut. Miguel Blackut. Okay. So, um, yeah, this is, this is a good advice for uh, all of you fellow podcasters. Like when you have someone on, like Miguel, who you're not quite sure how to pronounce his name, just ask him. There is no harm. It's much better than just butchering his name. So, Miguel Blackwood, thank you so much for coming on. And I'm excited to talk to you because we are going to talk about a topic which probably a lot of listeners uh, can relate to. Um, because you have a really fascinating story, uh, which we will get into a second. Um, but just before we do that, actually let people know, those people who may not be familiar with who you are, uh, to actually get them interested in your story in the first place. So just maybe tell and introduce yourself in one or two sentences, who you are and what you do currently. Yeah, uh, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Of, uh, I think we've been talking about doing this for, for a while now, so, so it's awesome to actually do it. Yep. Um, yeah, so my name is Miguel Blacute, and uh, well, I, I do a lot of things currently. I study nutritional biochemistry at McGill University. I uh, coach at physique development as well as flexible dieting lifestyle. Uh, I coach anything from contest prep athletes to uh, just your regular person that wants to lose 20 to 30 pounds and look better. I uh, work for Benno Henselman's at Bayes and Bodybuilding as well as uh, I, I write for Dr. Lane Norton for his website, BioLane. And I also do uh, release YouTube channels twice a week. So, yeah, I, I'm fairly busy. Right. Okay. So it seems like you're one hell of a, an involved person. So uh, <laughs> are you actually um, working for the Bayesian research team? Because when I met you the first time, this was in Amsterdam for the Sport and Performance Summit, then you were only interning, right? Yeah, I, I'm still an uh, in, interning. So um, you obviously were probably into fitness before you started to work for all of these sites, but um, maybe could you tell people like what was the first professional engagement that you had in the fitness sphere or in the fitness industry? Like what platform did you first write to or which was the first coaching opportunity that you had? Piece of content I put out was actually a, a YouTube video. I was uh, I had accumulated like a lot of a lot of research throughout the years, and I've really been involved in the fitness industry or researching fitness related topics, the scientific principles of nutrition and training since I was about sixteen years old. And I don't know for some reason, like it just hit me when I was uh, I think I was like nineteen or twenty, and I just decided, okay, I'm gonna start a YouTube channel, start putting pieces of content out there. 
and uh, I, I started to get, gain some confidence with it. And um, I, I'm not sure if you if you know who this is, but Mark Lobliner from Tiger Fitness. I wrote him and was like, "Hey, uh, I have a YouTube channel and um, have all, all, all this knowledge, and I would love to to write an article for you." Because of this, because at this time Mark was really pushing the the content side of his supplement website, Tiger Fitness, and he took a look at my channel and was like, "Yeah, that we would love to have you write." So my first article ever was um, published on Tiger Fitness, a, a supplement website, and that just really gave me the confidence to start putting out more and more content. Right. Um, so. It's my bad, actually. Probably I should have started here. But so, are you kind of a, a researcher type of guy at heart? Is that how it all started for you? Like, were you one of those uh, kids who, like, weren't quite satisfied with all the content that you can read on blogs and listen to on podcasts and YouTube channels of other people, but you started looking at direct research yourself? Or is that how it started for you? Yeah, I started. Well, I think like like anyone, I started to uh, really just look at people who broke down the content themselves. So I was just like taking in all this advice. Um, I, I was reading a lot from yeah people like uh, Menno Henselman, Slav McDonald, Mike Isertel, Alan Aragon. And, you know, I, I, I love reading uh, what someone else has to say about the research, but I also have a huge passion for doing the research myself. So I started to look at, you know, peer-reviewed research myself. And yeah, I would call myself a researcher. My my ultimate goal is to um, get a PhD and, and focus on research in strength and physique athletes while being a coach. But as a kid, yeah, I was, I was the type of kid where if, uh, you know, if I wasn't in a class and, and a professor said something, I asked why, and they're like, "Oh, well, this is uh, outside of the scope of this class. I can't teach you in that much detail." I'll like go home and search it up because I can't just be told this happens because just because it happens and 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 be okay with that answer. No, I need to know like in full detail why a certain thing happens. Right. Um, so this opportunity with the Tiger Fitness guys came together for you. You started putting out content for them. And how did it unfold from there? I'm assuming they were satisfied with your work. Um, what, what was kind of the next stage for you? You're not. Are you still working for them, or? No, no, no. I I, I just released uh, two or three articles for them. Right. Right. Yeah. So um, after I I wrote for Tiger Fitness, uh, people really uh, liked those articles. He got a couple of sh- a lot of shares. And uh, I started to really, perhaps like I, I should just give a, a, a progression through uh, everything that, that happened. I think like the whole story would be would be interesting to people. Yeah, definitely. So originally, I was actually when I started writing for for or when I started my YouTube channel, I was actually studying biomedical engineering. Um, I graduated top of my class in high school, and because I graduated top of my class, I was told, well. You know, if, if you do, the, if you graduate top of your class, you must go into engineering or 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 business. Like that was the only two things the professor said. You know, right, um, right. so taking the typical route, I was like, hey, well, I'm going to go into engineering. This is what people do when they do well in school, whatever. And um, I went into engineering, 
And in my free time, that is actually when when I was researching all these things. So I was actually busting my ass doing engineering. And during my free time, I wasn't partying. I wasn't, you know, doing the typical uh, college thing. I was actually doing research related to nutrition, training, programming, reading from all these experts. And that is when when I accumulated all my knowledge. And that is what uh, ultimately led me to start my YouTube channel. And, and, and when I realized like how much I actually, how much knowledge I had accumulated and how much passion I have for this, I realized, well, why am I studying one thing, you know, to make a living and then another thing because I love it so much? You know, why not merge the two of them together? So that is when I decided, well, I'm not going to do biomedical engineering anymore and I'm going to transfer into nutritional biochemistry. And, uh, yeah, I, I transferred to the best school in Canada, McGill University for nutritional biochemistry and started to, to release all, all this content. So that takes us to, you know, uh, the, the, the tiger fitness thing. That's when I would, when I, 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 I guess I kind of felt like because I was in nutritional biochemistry, now I had like the, uh, the credentials to, to really put my name out there and say, Hey, I'm studying this at this university. Uh, can I write for you? So after writing for Tiger Fitness, I, I started to really focus on my YouTube channel. And I remember I, I wrote Alan Aragon on the, on the bodybuilding.com forums and was like, hey, would you mind checking out my, my channel? And I, I had no idea if he would ever look at it because can you imagine how many direct messages Alan Aragon gets? Oh yeah. <laughs> so after uh, a month or two, he he comments on one of my videos. He's like, "Dude, you have great content. I am subscribed." So I I write Alan Aragon, and I'm like, "Thank you so much for checking out my channel. If, if there's anything at all that I can do for you, I, I would love any opportunity to be associated with you." And he's like, "Why don't you write an article for the Alan Aragon Research Review?" And as you and your listeners know, this is pretty much like the most prestigious place where someone can submit an article to. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I wrote an, an article for him uh, discussing refeed days and the, the true literature behind refeed days, cheat days, and, and how there's just, the evidence is just pointing at the fact that they really don't have any sort of significant physiological impact. And he loved it. The audience loved it. So then they liked it so much that I wrote for him again the next month. And it was a cool piece. It was on, it was in November. So I actually wrote a, an evidence based, uh, uh, article on holiday eating and how to avoid overeating during the holidays. Uh, sorry. Can, can I, can I, can I interrupt for a second? Yeah. So I think right here, there's a, an important lesson. Uh, I think for everybody that when you wrote to Alan at that point you had, I mean, now you're currently still in university you're still studying. And at the time, and at the time, it's not like you had some crazy credentials next to your name. You were just a passionate guy who accumulated some knowledge and has put out some content uh, to help people. And you were very much at the beginning of your journey and this opportunity 
kind of came by uh, your way. And I think um, my my personal kind of lesson from from this particular part of your journey is that you don't necessarily have to wait until you quote unquote get there to the final destination of your education or your your development as a fitness professional you can just kind of attempt things um whenever you feel like you're ready um but what 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 is your like you look back at this because this is obviously a pretty pivotal moment in your life i'm i'm imagining so what what do you think what what is your what kind of lessons did this experience teach you no, it definitely taught me exactly what, what you're saying, that you don't need to wait until you have, you know, those letters at the end of the name stating that you you know what you know. Especially in, in this industry, like doing what we do is already so unconventional that you don't have to, to you know, necessarily have that that master's or PhD qualification. It's all about what you know and the, the, the top people in the industry, I mean, um, it, it, they, they recognize who knows what. And if you come out with quality content, if you truly are evidence based and you can help people, then people want you to write for them because as saturated as this industry may seem, people are still looking for great content. And if you can provide that, then everyone will, will be so happy to have you along. Yeah. And, um, it's, uh, as you said, Alan Aragon is probably a guy who gets a lot of messages, and maybe, maybe you had a, you maybe caught him at the right time. Maybe he just had a lot of caffeine and he was in a good mood when you wrote to him. Maybe, maybe you did get lucky, but the the point is that if you never tried, you never would have gotten the opportunity. I mean, it's not to take away anything from or take credit away from you. You definitely had the skills to actually contribute, but the thing is, you. You know, all those personal development cliches of you have to try what is there to lose. That's, I guess, that's very true. But can, can, I, can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, so like one thing, and, and this is actually like, like my, my motto sort of, is I, when, whenever I'm about to write someone or reach out to someone to see if I can provide something, I always say to myself, fuck it, why not? And that is actually like something that I actively say to myself. And, and what that means to me is, fuck it, why not? It's not like a YOLO thing. It's why not me? Like, I know all this stuff. I put in the hard work. Why not me? So I wrote, you know, Alan Aragon saying, can I write for you? Can I contribute to the Alan Aragon research review? And inside my head, I'm thinking, yeah, I have all this knowledge. Like, why not me? Why would he not want me to do this? Because someone is going to write for him. Someone is going to uh, reach out to him and he's going to like look at their hard work. Why should it not be me? Yeah. And as you said, someone is going to do it. I mean, I look back now at certain things that I wanted to do maybe two years ago. And I sensed that there might be an opportunity. And then I hesitated. I eventually didn't do some of those things. And now I actually look look around the, the horizon and I actually do see a lot of people having done what I planned to do and they pretty much started shortly after I planned these things so that that's very true and, and also um, in terms of just just fucking do it that's um, it, it's very funny because that's one of my key uh, advice points to or pieces for people who want to start a podcast for example that if you have yeah I mean 
I mean, for, for you, like you've had incredible guests on here, and and if you are going to have incredible guests on a podcast, you have to have that fucking why not attitude. Like someone is going to interview Lyle McDonald. Why should it not be you? Yeah, like when I first had Eric Helms on, that was during a time when I had maybe two or three subscribers. Probably one of those were my mom. And I had, I think, one YouTube video on, maybe an interview with Danny Lennon. And basically, I was just in a moment where I was walking down the street and I just had a large cup of coffee. I was a bit fired up from all the caffeine. And I just wrote to Eric that, hey, Eric, like a big fan. I have a YouTube channel. It's like visibility is non-existent at this point, but would you be willing to come on? And because Eric is a super nice, genuinely helpful person, he decided to come on. And that video is now probably my most viewed video ever on my YouTube channel. And it was an awesome interview, one of my favorite interviews to date. So yeah, if you have a spark of inspiration in one moment, just fucking go with it and don't wait until you're quote unquote ready. Because the thing is, you will never be ready. Like there, are, there is always a reason not to attempt something. But if you do attempt it, then you may actually have a chance to. Yeah, you, to you don't need the perfect moment. Create it. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. So, uh, so let's go on with your story. So you submitted two articles to Alan. Um, how did it go from there? Yeah. Yeah. So I. I Oh, it went amazing because, um, well, one, one of my things with the fitness industry is that fitness and science is one of those things where people can get really like pedantic about it. Like people release content and, and sometimes the, the content stops being so much about helping people and it just becomes about look how much I know. And people put things in terms that really like no one can understand. And my thing is I want to be able to do the research myself, but also break it down in terms that every single person should understand. And that's one of the things that, that, that has helped me throughout my life. I mean, um, I really love helping people understand a complicated, a complicated topic. So when I release these videos or these articles for Alan, um, people really liked them because I took these, these complicated, uh, Terms uh, and complicated research on, on refeed days and and on overeating on on the on the on the holiday article and I really allowed people to understand it so people love those and it, it went it went great uh, Alan and I have a great relationship so now because I had written for uh, for Tiger Fitness for Alan Aragon and my YouTube channel was growing I think about this time I was at about three thousand subscribers. Um, also, due to the help of uh, someone, uh, this big YouTuber, Jerry Ward, with like 150,000 followers, he saw my videos and, and gave me shout outs. He gave me like four or five shout outs, like four or five shout outs. Like he literally made five videos about my videos. So this time, like I had momentum going, right? Yeah. Um, and for, for some odd reason, again, in a fucking why not moment, I emailed Blaine Norton and was like, hey, do you need any any, any help writing articles, uh, anything at all? And, you know, when, when he sees, okay, well, this guy wrote for Alan Aragon, he wrote for, for Mark Loebliner, uh, and he has a, a good a YouTube channel. He was like, yeah, I would love to have you write some articles for me. So then I started writing for Blaine Norton. <laughs> and that, that went... Amazing, uh, 
really, really great to write for Layton. And then after I started writing, I started writing for Layton, I was listening to a podcast with Menno Henselman. And he said that he, that he went to the University of Utrecht, or he said something about Utrecht. I think that that's where he did his undergraduate. And Utrecht happens to be um, close to where my, where, where my parents live. And, you know, as, as many of the listeners may know, what we do is very unconventional. And at this time, you know, if you want to be an online coach, it's hard to know what to do during the summers, because if you want to be an engineer, a businessman, consultant, whatever the case may be, you get a summer internship. But how do you get an internship in online coaching and in, in, in bodybuilders and fitness? It's very hard. So I wrote Menno and uh, said, hey, uh, do, you, do, you, do you have anything available? Do you have any advice? Like, I just I don't know what to do for an internship because this is so unconventional. And I told him, like, all about my background. He was like, um, I would love to, ha- to have you interview for an internship with me. So this time I had under my belt, I had... I had the YouTube channel. I had, I wrote for Tiger Fitness, for Alan Aragon, and for Dr. Lane Norton, which, you know, it, it, it's pretty good to have a, 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 for, for anyone who, who, who is looking at a resume. It, it looks good. It's a pretty insane list of names. Yeah. <laughs> so I interviewed with, with Sana, then interviewed with Menno, and they, and they took me on. They liked me. So then at that time, you know, still building the resume. And again, it was a fuck it, why not moment because it was, I listened to the podcast and then got home and immediately emailed Menno and, you know, he, he, Menno's a nice guy. He received it really, really well. And, and that went great. It was an incredible, or it is an incredible experience to intern with the Bayesian bodybuilding team. You just learn so much from Menno. Like the things that guy knows is, is insane <laughs> yeah he's a genius for sure dude like you can talk to him about anything he knows research behind any topic at hand <laughs> yeah uh and, and and what was uh, that internship uh, about or yeah well, what was in the agreement um so it was a, a mostly uh, helping him to uh him and luis villa senor help uh release the, the basin course in, in the spanish version and now uh, it's 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 uh, I'm doing some other work, but now that the course is launched. Okay, so it was mainly uh, translation work at 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 that point in, initially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's involving in some other things, but at that point it was getting the the, the course to to the Spanish version. He's launched it in in a few languages now, and it's so well received, but in, for good reason. It's an incredible course. Yeah, right. So um, uh, for up until that point, it was mainly your uh, writing, or what? What would you attribute, uh, other than the the willingness to actually try it? Um, when you look at your skill sets and your um, maybe your natural abilities or talents, I don't really like using that term because it can be a little bit intimidating for people. But uh, but what what factors would you attribute um, that you managed to get yourself these opportunities? Is it your writing skills, your research skills, your ability to break things down simply, or? 
I think it's it's a mixture of of the writing and consider myself to be a, a good writer mixed with research and also mixed with the fact that I am willing to work harder than anyone. Like you give me an opportunity and I know how I know how competitive it is and I know how people would literally like kill me to have the opportunity that I have. There is there's so many people they want to do the things I'm doing and and I constantly get messages about it. People saying like, how how are you in contact with, or how are you working with Lenord Menno and flexible adding lifestyle? And since I know how quote unquote lucky, I don't I wouldn't really call it luck because because I, I think I earned it, but I, I know how golden these opportunities are. I I am not letting them slip for anything, and and I and I work incredibly hard, and I think that that's something that people have 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 liked. It's the fact that I'm just really willing to work hard and really willing to put in the the extra research because if there's always like another study you can cite or or an extra point you can make and and mix that with the ability to really really break it down and teach someone and make them understand something and you get yourself the, these opportunities. Right. Yeah. Um, I think. One thing that uh, probably is worth pointing out here is that there are a lot of people who are who are regular commenters and regular contributors in these evidence-based fitness uh, Facebook groups, for example, and communities. But actually doing the research and actually going through studies, uh, trying to find holes in in some reasoning and and reading through actual actual study papers. That's actually a pretty mundane, boring, not so sexy task. Like, like people are attracted to the evidence-based um, uh, fitness practices, but they only see the the glorious moments, like Mike Isratel sitting down and and uh, giving some cool explanations with one of his golden analogies, and Eric Helms being being invited to a podcast. But actually reading or sitting over a, a paper and reading it for a couple of hours and doing multiple of those a day or a week that's actually not very sexy that that that's when it kind of that that's the grindy part of it and i think as seemingly as saturated as it seems i think there's still not many people who are actually willing to do that part of of the job and it seems like you were one of these people or you are one of these people yeah and and i love it i mean and it's something that people don't quite realize is that nobody actually studies bodybuilders. A lot of the times I get um, messages on my, on my Instagram and, uh, people ask me, well, how do you learn these things? Like, can you tell me like what the, what the resource is or, or can you point me in, in the, in, in the study that, that you read this? And I'll send them a study where the, where, where they're tracing leucine kinetics or they're looking at some like mTOR biochemical pathways and, and people think that researchers like just do a research and write like, oh, this causes more muscle growth than this. But no, it's actually like it's really complicated. And if you've ever read a full text journal, you have to be able to really like dissect everything from the methods to statistical analysis to the conclusions that the researchers drew from it. And if you are able to do that, then I think that the market is actually still pretty open. And we have seen that. I mean, just now with, with the release of, of Mass, uh, Eric Helms' research review, people want people who can 
break things down and make it make it simple because no one wants to read a full picture I and mean, like people don't want to know if the statistical methods make sense if the conclusions actually reflect the the, the, the results then if you can really dedicate yourself to to focus on interpreting research and explaining it to others then i think there's a huge market for you yeah so uh was this something or how long ago or so we went through a like the initial stages of your development. So your first job with Tiger Fitness, then um, Ellen Aragon, then Lane Norton. So when you arrived to these destinations, at that time, were you already able to do these um, these things like interpreting statistical, statistical analyses and uh, understanding terms like leucine tracer and radioactive leucine tracer or whatever, all these kinds of things? Or... Initially, uh, was it a lot more kind of just the broad picture? Uh, um, I think. Well, I think here here it's important to note that between my first writing job with Tiger Fitness and now, it's been exactly a year. Mm-hmm. So when I when I started with, with with Tiger Fitness, like I had already accumulated a lot of my knowledge. Like I'm still obviously like as evidence based practitioners, we're still learning every single day but i had accumulated a lot of knowledge by then and uh i think at that point like i already knew uh, all, all these terms because of accumulating like research since i was like really 16 years old right and how, how old were you when you first landed your, that job at tiger fitness uh 20 and i'm 21 now okay so you've been reading trying to interpret research and you've been um educating yourself for four years diligent, diligently at that point? Yeah, well, I, th- I think what's important for people to understand here is that um, my grandmother owned a chain of gyms and my mom grew up in gyms and I grew up in a gym. So when I was 16 years old, like most people say like, oh yeah, well, I started reading articles at 16 years old and most people like being like muscle and strength magazine but i actually like at, at 16 years old i knew that my passion was the gym but i have no idea why i went to biomedical engineering knowing that like i, I love sports and anyone who met me like since the time i was like 13 years old all i could talk about was the gym and applications to like strength research and at 16 like i was already like pretty serious about about it so by the time i was 21 I had already accumulated like quite a wealth of knowledge. Like I read every single thing that I could get my hands on. So uh, to a- answer your question, yeah, uh, I still like at, at the point where I where I started writing for Tiger Fitness, I knew all these terms. But I think now, uh, you know, I'm starting to to really really hone in more on those like itty little bits of, of scientific research that. You know, you're ab- that that really only like a PhD uh, level um, researcher would would want to know. Right, right. Um, so, did we miss out, by the way, anything? So, is there something new these days going on for you that we didn't touch on? Um, yeah. So, after or I guess while uh in, in in the netherlands researching or or doing uh i mean intern interning for fermento um i'm not sure if your viewers will know but there is someone on instagram uh goes by the name of flexible biting lifestyle and uh his name is zach richelot and 
what this guy does is that you can imagine any recipe uh, you can possibly think of, like the most calorically dense of, of desserts. And what he does is he takes these things and he makes them like stupidly calorie friendly, like ridiculous. You look at his recipes and you're like, how does this have that many calories? So he accumulated quite a large following. I think he has like 150,000 uh, followers on Instagram. And he decided to put something together called the Flexible Dieting University, which is just teaching people about the, the flexible dieting lifestyle. You know, take these people who have done like all these restricted diets and really teach them like the basics of protein, carbs, fats, um, things that, you know, people want to know about these terms like without taking a precision nutrition course or shredded by, by, by science or the Bayesian bodybuilding course. Just really baseline knowledge or a little bit more than baseline, but, but really giving people like a, an accessible education. So, uh, I saw that he decided to, to start this. And because, you know, this is, this is my thing. Like, I love breaking down things into terms people can understand. I sent him a message again, fuck it. Why not? And, you know, when, when he saw in my resume that, I worked for, for Mark Lobline, for Tiger Fitness, for Alan Aragon, Lane Norton, uh, Menno Hanselmans. He immediately agreed that he, he, he loved the opportunity. And, uh, we started working on the Flexible Lighting University. And then, uh, at the time, he also wanted to release, um, online, like, uh, online coaching. So myself, uh, Zachary Shalot and another big Instagram uh, personality, uh, a, a really close personal friend now, Austin Current, he um, uh, was also on uh, he on 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 board, and uh, he was the one that was, that had currently launched the university and and Zach's head coach, and all of us launched the the coaching program together, and uh, went amazing. Uh, we're taking on clients there, and. Austin, actually, he also has a, has a very large Instagram following. Uh, he developed his knowledge. He has a, a degree in biomechanics and actually uh, learned from Ben Pakulski at MI40. So he's, a, he's a biomechanics whiz, and uh, he has a very great coaching company called Physique Development. And... Austin and I like really hit it off. Like we would have these like three hour talks and just agree on all these topics. And his coaching is a little bit more uh, geared towards uh, uh, intermediate, advanced level uh, physique athletes, physique and strength athletes. So because we agreed so much on all these topics, um, ultimately it led to him and his uh, business partner, uh, his other coach, Alex Bush, taking me on. So then I was also a coaching now for physique development. So then at the current time, I'm still writing for Lane Norton, interning for Mental Henselman's, uh, coaching at Flexible Dieting Lifestyle and coaching at physique development while studying nutritional biochemistry at McGill. It sounds like your days are pretty packed with, with activities then. Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't have free time anymore. It, it's awesome for me because like I, and, and that's something that uh, I often I get questions about is how do you handle not having free time? 
And it's because what I do, I love so much that I don't need free time. Like I, I spend like a hours like programming or writing content. And I feel like some people do after they play video games, you know, it's, it's, it's what I, I truly, truly love doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I, th- I think, I think being just packed with stuff to do, uh, sometimes of course it can be exhausting, but at the same time, uh, that that's when you kind of really feel like you're alive and you're progressing in life. So, so that's, that's awesome that you're in that place. Um, but let's, let's switch back for a second to kind of the, the business development side of things. So now you have a lot of things going for you. And as we touched on it, like this industry is very, very packed. And we talked about this with a couple of guests like, uh, like Luke Johnson, uh, from Shredded by Science. But what he's doing is kind of different from what you're doing because he's more of a curator and um, uh, collector of other experts who develop or who uh, deliver information. Uh, but you're doing a lot of the things that a lot of people want to do in this this field, especially on the more evidence-based side of the of the fitness world. So coaching and, and uh, writing articles, things of that nature. So apart from apart from the the mentality of of trying things what do you see do you see things that uh a lot of the people who are trying to get their names out and trying to get opportunities do wrong or do you think that there are some commonalities that that you you can we can observe in them and that they could correct to increase their chances at least of succeeding in getting into this industry yeah, I think that's that's a, that's a very great point. Uh, so many people want to be uh, successful online coaches now, and so many people, but unfortunately, like uh, take um, erroneous uh, approaches. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that I see people make is trying to use their physique to get them clients or to get them a, a certain level of. of Status that allows them, or to use a physique to leverage themselves into into getting clients. I think it's important, and and this is something that I kind of uh, I think battled with a bit. It was like, okay, well, all these people like look better. How can you compete with that? And I, I realized very quickly that when you truly uh, dominate the knowledge, clients see that and and they sign up with you. I think that one of the biggest mistakes I see people make is not delivering enough knowledge. Like Your physique isn't sufficient enough to get you clients. Just because you were able to get your physique to a certain place does not necessarily mean that you can do it for, for someone else. Um, one of the greatest things that, that, that has allowed me to, to, to get to where I am is literally just giving people knowledge and giving people knowledge for free. That is how people see how 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 much you know, and well, that's what makes them want to work with you. Yeah, I think uh, that that that's actually a very great point, and I think I think it's important to early on recognize if you're uh, one of those blessed individuals who may go a long way just by showing off their physiques. I mean, obviously, nobody quite just gets uh, their clientele by just showing off their physiques. Like there are people with incredible physiques out there, like um, uh, Matt Ogus, like uh, 
Steve Cook, these guys, but even them, like they provide other things besides just showing off their physiques. But, you know, let's not kid ourselves. These people are incredibly genetically blessed and they can have, they have physiques that most of us can only hope to have. Um, but most of us are kind of forced to take other avenues and not just rely on our physiques because, um, yeah, you might have a decent physique, but that, that's, that's more of a, how do you say it? It's just a, that's a very common thing that most people will be able to achieve by some intelligent work in the gym, at least. So you need to have something more to, to show for. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the biggest things that, uh, one of the biggest advices that I have to give, um, people who want to do this online coach is that you have to truly in the bottom of your heart want to help people reach their goals. A lot of people have come across like they want to do the online coaching because it's, well, let's, let's not kid ourselves. It's kind of a glorious thing right now, right? It's, it's, it's this new sexy thing that, you know, you're an online coach and you work for yourself and you take on clients and put them through prep. And it's, it's a cool thing. But you have to, like, in, in the bottom of your heart, like, want to truly help people and deliver them with, with a great deal of knowledge. My goal with my clients is that when we are done working, I want them to be able to coach themselves. Obviously, like, they can keep hiring me if they, if they want that accountability, but I want them to learn so much from me that they feel comfortable taking their own reins. And even if someone doesn't hire me as a coach, I want someone to be able to look at the content that I provide at my videos, at my Instagram stories, and truly have learned something that can help them to better their physique because bettering your physique is hard and there's so much bad information out there. And I can honestly say that at at the bottom of my heart, I just want to help people. I want to help that uh, that that mom lose those 20 pounds that she's been struggling with. I want to help that competitor get first place. I, I truly want to help people. And I think that's something that everyone who, who is interested in online coaching should have at the bottom of their hearts. Yeah, yeah, that that's very true that um, you have to have some kind of an inner compulsion to do it just besides setting up a successful business. Like you said, kind of the online coaching thing is kind of the equivalent of these ab uh ab machines that they sell on tv shop you know that you just put it put on your abs and it's supposed to give you a six-pack that it seems like the magic bullet that okay you just sleep in you wake up sit in front of your laptop you bang out a couple of emails and then you get money but uh, like you said like me for example whenever i see someone uh who is overweight or just in just kind of an average person reasonably out of shape and I see that person drinking diet soda, whatever, like several cans, or not diet soda, regular soda, several cans a day. And I'm just looking at that person and thinking that it would be so easy for that person to make small changes and get drastic results. Um, and when I see that, that's an inner compulsion that drives me to to want to help people. Or whenever I put out a, a podcast episode, a solo episode, when I talk about some stuff, that comes from an inner drive, uh, some inner frustration that I just want to speak about it. But most of my friends are not into fitness, so they don't care. <laughs> so I feel like I have to share it with the world. So yeah, that, that's a very good point. And it's almost it, it's, it's frustrating because like I I see you know at the gym like you, 
so a lot of the times in the gym, like I don't, I don't listen to music. I, I don't know why. I, I, don't, I don't really like to listen to music while at the gym. I kind of like to focus. I either like not listen to anything or I actually listen to a podcast. So I get to hear a lot of the gym conversations and I get to hear a lot of, you know, uh, one lady seem to the other while I'm trying this like low carb thing or like this. Not, not necessarily that low carb is bad, but you know, people attempt it in very wrong ways. Or, like they're saying, I'm trying this like low protein thing or, I was told that if I do this cardio protocol and like, I don't want to be the guy that interjects and is like, actually like that's wrong. You should do this and this, but I, 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 I have to stop myself from correcting that guy's form or telling the person like, Hey, you should try this because I want to help people so bad. And it's not because I want to be, you know, a lot of people like they like to help people to be like the knight in shining armor that like, you know, I have the answers. But I have to stop myself from looking like the guy because I just want to like be like, hey, you should try this or this is why this works. I, I just want people to, to have the knowledge and to help them succeed in their physique goals in, in, in performing a movement correctly and losing that weight. You know, I, I genuinely want people to, to succeed in their goals. Right, right. Um, and so we touched on the fact that uh, you need to have – it's good to have some kind of a unique skill that requires effort so that will make people not generally wanting to do it, like being able to interpret research and, and read studies. The other thing was um, what we just mentioned is just, just a general willingness or desire to really want, want to help people. Um, is there, uh, if you were to kind of, um, take another guy, if you could go back in time and see yourself at age, 19, 20, wanting to get into this industry and could give yourself some tactical business type of advice to help you actually get into this industry. Um, is there anything else that comes to mind that could be useful for people from a kind of a tactical uh, perspective? Yeah, I think that one of the, the greatest things that people have to take into account is that when, when you're just starting out, you want to take on all the clients, right? And you want to um, really like dive into into the world of, of online coaching. But I would say to people not to not do this online coaching thing, not dive into the online coaching world if it is at the time your only source of income and you need clients in order to, to you know pay the bills and, and be able to to buy food. And the reason I say this is because when you start online coaching, you or, or, or at any time actually that, that you do online coaching, you have to be selective about the clients that you take on. You shouldn't take if you're doing this from uh, you know giving people macros and and, on, and, and, and periodization protocols, and, and you're truly doing things from an evidence-based standpoint. You shouldn't take on you know, a, a busy mom of four that can't sit down to, to have a meal and, and, you know, isn't going to track her intake and just has a very disorganized life. You have to be selective about the client that you, 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 you take in because you have to pick people who you know are going to adhere to your, to your plan and, and who you can truly help. Don't take people's money who you know like this person is not going to adhere to the plan and they are going to get frustrated and that is not going to work out good for that person or for yourself and and i've done that mistake you know i've been at the point where 
I want to take take on all the clients and I take on someone who has an extremely busy lifestyle and, and just will not be dedicated to fitness because a lot of people will will pay you just to feel like they are doing something towards towards their physicals. And and you should take on clients that, you know, they are you have to screen them and make sure that it is someone who, who realistically will adhere to, to what you have to tell them, will appreciate you, and then will follow through. And that works out good for you and for the, for the client. It works out good for the client because they get the results. They get to see what you truly got to them. And it works out for you, one, because you get to help someone, and two, because then you get an amazing client testimonial that you can put on your page. And in, in, my, in my experience, like client testimonials are one of the best ways to get more clients because people see, okay, well, this person did that for this person. So I'm going to hire them. If they did that for them, then why can't they do it for me? So that, that is one of the, the greatest pieces of, of, of advice I have is don't start from a point of desperation of where you need clients. Start from a point where you can be selective about the clients you take in and only take clients who you know both yourself and the client can benefit from. That does not mean that you should only take on like these perfect clients and, and, and if people have no experience with, with, with dieting, then you shouldn't take them on. But take on people who are willing to, to, to learn and people who are willing to put in the effort of going through the diet of, of whatever service they're, they're inquiring for. Yeah, that is, that, that is a very good point. Um, it's, a lot of people have this idea uh, that, um, okay, I'm just going to quit my job and jump into coaching full-time. But the thing is, is that that puts you and your client into a very fragile, vulnerable position. Because like you said, you are a lot more likely to make bad calls. And if you contrast that with someone like a Menno or a Lane Norton, who has a full list of applying clients for them who want their service... They can pretty much just screen for the people that they are basically 100% sure that they can actually help. And um, they're not in need of making rash uh, decisions. Um, at the same time, though, I, I realize that it can be tough for people when they're starting out. And um, maybe they, they want to kind of rush things because... Uh, because simply they need the money, so that might be just an argument for just just taking it slowly. Like, and and especially because online coaching and just working online in general is something that you can you can do besides having an actual full time job. Um, so yeah, that's important to keep in mind. Yeah. Um, another thing I want to ask you about, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this, is um, a big mistake that I made early on is I was looking at a lot of the people who put out these really entertaining pieces of content. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Radu Antonio, for example. Yeah. So, uh, and by all means, he has a fantastic channel. Uh, but the type of content he's providing is more like educational entertainment, if I had to classify it in some way. But I was looking at his channel and, and even channel like the bro science life like these guys who which which are like are just purely entertainment and 
I had to, and, and my idea was, which I think is the idea of a lot of people, is that I am going to build up this platform based on entertainment. And once I have a large following, I will start building up an email list and I'm, I'm going to develop a clientele or I'm going to sell information products. But the thing is, is that uh, that's not the kind of content producer or not the kind of person that I am. I just want to be a person who... Uh, puts out information for people or provides education. And if based on that, someone is interested in, in buying something that I put out or inter- interested in my services, then that's, that's all good. But I think that's a big mistake that a lot of people make is that they think that there will be these two stages of their business development. One is building up a large following based on entertainment and then leveraging them in terms of actually getting clients or selling products. Um, do do you do you see where I'm going with this? So you would you never Yeah, I think that's a great point actually because a lot of like what's it's funny because when when I started in in fitness, um, the 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 YouTube scene was a lot of information, right? I mean, everyone who released videos like was releasing was releasing informational videos. I mean, even the Hodge twins like their channel started as as information, and now it seems that people they want to make their names as vloggers, right? And, and you, you've seen this. People like start vlogging fitness channels, not informational fitness channels, but vlogging channels and hope to somehow get clients from the form of, of vlogging. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, Christian Guzman is very entertaining to watch, but I would never get coached by him. I want to get coached by Eric Helm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I, I think that's a great point, and I think that what you have to do is you have to find a way to provide information to people in in your own style. If you watch my videos on YouTube, um, I kind of have a, a similar style to to Omar Issa, where like I like it's ninety percent information, but I will make a joke, I'll do a skit, I'll do something funny in order to keep people entertained because I don't think that, you know, you necessarily retain the most amount of information just from, you know, watching someone sit there and, and talk. And I think all great speakers, like they have some sort of sense of humor. I mean, Mike Isertel had us on the floor laughing at the, at the SPS. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, everyone who, who is, who, who is able to, um, convey information in a good way like they sort of like personalize it in in a way so uh to to build on on what you're saying i think that if you truly want to um, be a, a respectable source of information and to get clients if that is your goal now if your goal is to just do the vlogging thing and accumulate a following that's fine there's people who just want the following but if your goal is to is seen as a source of information or as, as a good, reputable online coach, then provide as much information as possible. Make your content like 85, 90% information, but find a way to personalize it. So people are like, yeah, I want to be coached by, by this guy in, in specific. I like him. I jive with him. And I actually had a conversation about this with, um, with, with Austin. Uh, because he posts uh, very informational biomechanic videos, and and he was telling me that a lot of the clients that he gets aren't actually from obviously like they are because they 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 see the the, the biomechanics, 
But if when he posts a picture just showing what he did that day or, or showing himself traveling and he posts like a motivational caption or a caption that gives a little bit of insight into his life, and that is when people like really see who you are and, and they connect the dots. They're like, okay, well, this person knows this, this, and this. They're a great source of information. But also, like, they have this personality thing to them that I really like and I really want to work with them. And I think that's something that all evidence-based people have. Like, they, it's 90% information. But each person that is successful, if you look at them, they have that, like, little quirk that really makes them special. Yeah. Um, that, that, that is exactly right. Like, um, that, that actually brings up a related point, which is, what do you think about, um, the form of content or, or the platform, uh, video as opposed to blogging, as opposed to pot audio? Um, what do you, what do you think about all those? I think that, um, that YouTube and podcasts are definitely the future. I mean, podcasts are just, they're so great to listen to. Um, you know, people who are into fitness, like we tend to be busy, we tend to meal prep, walk places, do cardio. So podcasts are definitely a, a great way to, to convey information. And YouTube as well. It's, it's so, um, if you can make a good quality video, then you can really build a great following. Instagram is also an, an amazing place to learn, uh, now that the, these uh, infographics are, are taking off, they provide people with, with so much information. So no matter what you do, you can provide people with, with great information and, and really show how much you know. And, and really, uh, I, I just want to hark back on one of the, the points that you mentioned. Um, I, I wanted to touch on this earlier, but um, somehow it, it slipped off me. Uh, that you don't have to have the best physique out there to to get a large following and to become a successful online coach. Like if I think of the people that I either got coaching from in the past or that I would be interested in getting coaching from in the future, none of them are people with the best physiques. Like I can, from the top of my head, I can name at least five people in natural lifters, you know, content producers who have way better physiques than them. Um, but that's not what matters because I know that I could learn so much from them. Like Eric Helms is, uh, is, is one person like he, he knows, everybody knows that Eric is not the person with the most jacked aesthetic physique. He has a great physique and he is a lot more jacked, uh, than I am, but you know, he's not, he's not the, the person who is p uh, posting shirtless photos on Instagram every day. I'm looking up to him because of his knowledge and because my faith in in the the, the practical uh, things that that he's able to apply for his clients. So that that is just so important to for people to to realize that you know you don't feel like you're limited because of <laughs> because of your you didn't pick your parents intelligently in terms of physique development. Uh, yeah, I think that that's a huge thing, and I think the only reason I, I didn't start this earlier i mean i still started pretty early but it's because i thought that you know you also had to have the physique to go along with it and that people only listen to you if you had that physique and i learned very quickly that that is completely wrong and the people at the top like i, I think there are very few people at the top who actually have like a very impressive physique 
Yeah, and and that's simply because the realities of natural bodybuilding, natural lifting is that you will have an incredible physique if you are genetically incredibly blessed. Uh, um, it's, it's very hard by being really hardcore with your training and nutrition. It's really tough to override these uh, these limitations. Um, and really, if you have a decent physique, if you take your shirt off and people go like, okay, this guy clearly works out, then basically you could be doing 95% as well as you could do in terms of applying practical knowledge for yourself. Yeah, if, 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 you, if you have the knowledge and people listen, I mean, look at uh, Omar Issa. He doesn't have necessarily a very impressive physique. He, I mean, he has a great physique for natural athlete, but it's not something that you'd like turn your head around if you saw at the beach. And he has like 600,000 followers. I mean, 3D and like 3D and J Eric Helms, you know, I, 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 he's arguably like probably the most popular source of information right now. And he doesn't have a physique that like, if you saw him in the street, you wouldn't like turn your, turn your head around and be like, wow, that, that guy, he really must work out and, and know everything about fitness. He just looks like a dude that lives. Yeah. And and another important thing uh, to realize um, is that you don't even necessarily have to have the biggest following because you just mentioned 600,000 following. You're a very successful guy uh, at this point already and you have um, five or 6,000 uh, subscribers on YouTube, which is a respectable number, but it's not, you know, it's not like... Uh, not like one of these crazy successful vloggers out there who have several million or you know several hundred thousand as with some of these um some of these uh fitness content producers and the reason why you're so successful is because the the following that you have is actually very high quality and they look up to you and respect you and uh yeah yeah that's a great point uh yeah and 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 by no means did I have a very big following. I didn't even smaller following when I started. When I started all this, I had like 2,000 subscribers and like 300 followers on Instagram. But at, at no point did Alan Aragon or Menno ask me, how many followers do you have? How many subscribers do you have? They just looked at how much I knew and, and made the decision based on that. And if you have the, the knowledge, if you have the ability to help people, the following will come. You know, and people will want to know what you have to offer. So if, if you have the skills and the, at one point or another, if you release good content, the, the following will come. You don't have to wait for the following to come before you start releasing content. If, if you wait, then it, it'll, it'll never come. Yeah. So, um, uh, before I'm asking you, uh, well, one of the last questions that I have for you. Is there any important point about any of this that we kind of skipped over you think you would be valuable to mention? I think one of the most valuable things to mention is that, um, again, people ask this question a lot, but like how you become an, an online coach, how you become a writer for this, a writer for that. And people sometimes don't realize how much work and hours and hours of work goes into this. The online coach thing, like I said, is a very like sexy new thing that people want to try out. But if you really want to be successful in this industry, and this applies to any sort of entrepreneurship, 
you really have to be willing to put in a, a lot of work and, and hours and hours of of hard, grindy work. And only then, like, does this become like this sexy job that you know you can work for yourself. But if if you truly want to want to be an online coach, if you want to take on like the roles that I have taken on, I had gone through countless nights of like sleeping two hours a night, not sleeping. It, it has required like all my time, all my dedication to do well in school and and uh, be able to write for these people and and and, and check up with with clients. It. it it really takes hard work. So if you want to be an online coach, then just know that it is not easy. It is not posting up a six pack picture of yourself and saying now taking on clients. It is all your time, all your energy. It requires constant work. It requires sleepless nights and it will be hard and you will be frustrated. But if you truly have a passion for this, it'll be worth it. Okay, so here's a practical question for you then. Uh, let's say there is a person who is trying to get into this space or, or any space, any entrepreneur, entrepreneurial venture. And he currently has a full-time job from nine to five, and but is trying to get into this industry, has some decent amount of knowledge and is willing to do what it takes and wants to progress with his business development as fast as possible. Uh, so nine to five, full time job. Uh, how would you recommend this per person structure his day? Let's say he has no family obligations, stuff like that. Uh, but that nine to five job is certainly there. Uh, what kind of schedule would you recommend for this person? So nine to five job, I would say uh, you, you they're currently weight training, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I would say if you work a nine to five job, you're weight training and you want to take this on then I would recommend that you wait in the morning, um, do your nine to five job. And then when you come home from that job, you, you need at least like an hour or two to really like clear your space to be able to produce a uh, high quality work. So, you know, make yourself a good dinner, watch an episode of, of, of your favorite, of, uh, of your favorite TV show, really like reset your, your mind and then work from like, seven to to midnight seven to one in the morning you know really it's going to take a lot of effort and and my own fitness has has you know suffered a little bit because obviously like i don't i, I don't sleep very much but that is exactly what you have to do you have to um be willing to put up with the sucking you have to know okay well i am going to have to go through this digging phase where it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable and maybe I have to work from seven to one and then get up at six or and go to the gym. But that is just temporary. And, and, and after you do that for a while and, and, and you start to, uh, to get clients, you start to put out client testimonials and clients start to come on a little bit easier and, and you're able to, to, to really get, get momentum going, then it's going to get, you know, a, a little bit easier. But for that time, for, for, for when you are starting out, you just have to know that it's going to suck for a little bit and embrace it. I think that a lot of times people try to avoid the suck. They try to find a way to like hack their way around suffering a little bit. But the, the, the honest, 
the only honest thing to say is that it, it is going to suck for a little bit and you are going to have to go through those tough moments. And I think you, you know, you, you can attest to this, that when you are trying to put this thing together, it's, it gets difficult and you just have to be willing to, to stick through it. Like any contest prep or any physical thing at one point or another, you're like, ah, this is just so hard, but the passion is what drives you through it. Yeah, so uh, all the things that we uh, teach you guys in fitness and we all learn in fitness, you know, get your 8 to 10 hours of sleep a night. That's in an in a world where you're not having a full-time job and you're trying to build up your life so that you don't have the full-time job anymore, but you have another full-time job instead. When you're going through that phase, something will have to give and uh, probably it will be your uh, recovery ability from the gym and things of that nature. So, um, okay, so propose schedule nine to five. So wake up at six or seven, go to the gym, uh, have a meal or something, go to the office nine to five. From five, you get home, get home at around six, have an hour of relax time and from maybe seven to one a.m., grind a little bit and then five or six hours of sleep would that be a reasonable schedule yeah i, I think that would be a great schedule for someone to have obviously it's not a great schedule in terms of it's not going to allow you to make the most gains or be fully recovered and uh, get uh, you know enough sleep to actually be, be restful but for that situation i think it's it's what's required Right, right. And it's everybody's own call. If you don't want to make this transition the absolute fastest and, you know, you want to make it a bit more balanced, then, you know, just work from 7 till 10 a.m. and then hit the sack. But just realize that then it might mean that you will get your and go a little bit slower. And for some people, it might be totally fine. So it's it's just a matter of choices and trade-offs. Yeah, and People like to throw around the word balance a lot. And I think that if you are going to be successful at anything, then really like balance is kind of goes out the window. It's just managing your priorities is, is what I like to call it. Because if you are working until 1 a.m. and getting up at 6 to go to the gym, then no, your life, your life is not balanced, but it is you, you are managing your priorities. I mean, if you're doing well with your job and you're doing well with your family and you are advancing in your fitness industry, like maybe your life isn't completely balanced. You are, you know, you're not the guy that is like, you know, you have balance with friends and, and everything, but you are managing your life according to your priorities. And because you do this, you will be moving towards those priorities and eventually be successful. Yeah, a hundred percent. Great points, man. So, um, do you have another few minutes be just for me to ask my last question of you? Awesome. So, would you be able to uh, take us through like a typical day of yours these days uh, with school going on for you and uh, managing all the other obligations that you have? How does a typical day look like in your life? Yeah, so uh, I typically, and um, this is something that I, I like to do, I, I will always kind of wake up 30 minutes earlier than what I know I have to be up at. And during this time, I like to uh, really plan my day because I find that I need to know exactly what I'm doing at what hours I'm doing and in the order that I'm doing it. Because typically you can, you know what you, what, what, what you 
um, can plan around that day. I have like a, a calendar where I know like everything that I have to do within a month. And then I, I look at that and 30 minutes before I have to actually do anything, I look at that in order to plan exactly what I am going to do that day and what I am, I refuse to go to bed at before I do those things. So that is typically as soon as I wake up. Then, um, I get up, I have a morning smoothie. I like to have smoothies because they just kind of like allow me to get my day started as quickly as possible. And right now my earliest class is at 11. So I actually, I, I get a few hours of, I usually work, wake up around like seven. Um, so I can get, uh, some work done before my class. I usually work from, uh, like seven to, to nine, then, then seven to nine thirty. Then, uh, I go to the gym and then I go to my first class. And usually I have class from like 1130 to, to 530. Um, finish class, come home. Uh, I, I make a dinner and I watch an episode of friends or whatever. I like distract myself for about like 30 to 45 minutes. Um, then I do any, any schoolwork I have to do. So usually I'll, I'll do school work until like, uh, 10 a.m., 11 a.m., 10 p.m., 11 p.m. And then I will do, uh, some work for, uh, for my clients, for flexible dieting, for physique development until like 2 to 3 a.m. and then restart again. And yes, that means that on an average night, I sleep between four to five hours and know that it's not optimal for my fitness. And I have to really work at reduced volumes. But like I said, it is what, uh, what, what is currently required because I am not willing to, to, to sacrifice my grades or the quality of my coaching or the quality of my content or YouTube videos. I want everything to be as high quality as possible. And if that means that I am going to be groggy throughout the day or or that I am not going to be like the most, the most comfortable, then that is just what, what, what I am willing to do. And it, it's not necessarily something that everyone is going to be willing to do for, for some people like getting those, like that, that full, full, full night sleep, that, that might be your party. And that, that, that is totally fine. But this is just what I am doing. And the amount of things that I'm juggling at once is makes me have to, to sleep this, this little. Right. So you're full, full in full on hustling mode. So how many, how many sets uh, are you doing in the gym currently per week per muscle group? Um, I would say between 15 to 20, but I can hand, like if I'm getting full, full recovery, I can handle and grow from a lot of volume. And I think this is because, um, pretty much like everyone in, in, in my family, like we're all very, very athletic and, you know, uh, my, my parents, they're, they're both bigger than I am. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like they, they can handle like easily 25, 30 sets per muscle group per week and, 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 and grow from it. Holy moly. Yeah. It, it, it's crazy. Like I, I look at like my, oh, I, I do, uh, their programming and I'm like, yeah, I would break if I did this. And, and they're growing and they're recovering and they're completely fine. Yeah. Well, yeah. So you mentioned reduced volume. <laughs> That's still a fair amount of volume, 15 to 20 sets. 
Yeah, but for for someone else like following this this schedule, I would say like stick to like ten to fifteen. I can do fifteen to twenty because g- genetically uh, I can just handle a lot of volume. So for me, fifteen to twenty is is, is a little bit reduced. Uh, yeah, and, and I I met your mom at the performance summit, and yeah, I can vo- I can attest for the fact that your family is definitely athletic. Yeah, oh my my mom like I I plan her workouts. I'm like, I don't know if I if I feel bad or if I'm jealous that she can handle this volume. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. Uh, well, one thing I wanted to ask you mentioned that you first thing that you do is you plan out your day. Do you have like, um, are you writing in a journal or do you have a calendar? How do you like to do that? Yeah, I just um, I write everything out in notes. So at the beginning of each month, um, like I will look at all the deadlines I have to do for school, and then like I. I plan my other ventures around that because obviously right now, kind of what separates me from a lot of, of, of people currently trying to make it is the fact that I am studying nutritional biochemistry and I will be getting a PhD after this, but that, that makes me special. So I know that I have to prioritize school. Right. So I plan everything around school. Like I see, Okay, well, on this week, I don't have a lot of things to do. So that this is when I'm going to do the most things for, for my coaching. And then based on that, um, I will plan out exactly what I have to do for that day. So I, I kind of, I like to break things up into like either school days or coaching days. Um, my brain works a little bit better if, if I can just like do one style of work that day. Or, or more like coaching time. Like, I don't like to go from coaching to school to coaching. I'll, I'll say, okay, well, for the for the first half of the day, I'm going to do school, and then from uh, like eleven to three, I'm going to do to, to do coaching. So then on my on my notes app, I'll write, okay, so for the for the school portion of the day, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and then for the coaching portion of the day. I'm going to do that and the other. Right. Um, yeah, that you sound like a pretty structured person, which is which is really cool. Like you have a big advantage because um, I think you had twenty. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So I, I guess last question is: any activity or habit or routine that you developed over the years that uh, helped you to become uh, more productive and to get get more stuff done? I think that getting up 30 minutes earlier than I have to is is really what what uh what 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 allows me to get a lot of stuff done because then I can look at my day with a very clear space and I find that when you have a lot of things to do and you really don't know when you are going to do them that's when you start to get a little bit stressed and a little bit uncomfortable because there's just stuff that you don't really know like when you're going to fit in but when you have like everything sorted out you can really be productive because you, you don't have that stress of like okay well when am i going to do this project or this lab or write this piece of, of content so really having an organized uh schedule both in the long term and for like a, a day in specific can be huge for productivity right 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 okay that is uh that, i think that's excellent advice um so yeah, man, this was this was an awesome interview. <laughs> I really enjoyed this. So uh, yeah, thanks for having me. I really really appreciated talking to you. Yeah, so please mention just where can people find you and um, anything, any resource that you want people to check out. 
Cool. Yeah. So you can find my um, my personal Instagram is at mblacout, M-B-L-A-C-U-T-T. And on there, I post uh, infographics and I answer uh, um, a daily question on my Instagram story. And then you can also find me on at physique development. And I also answer daily question on the Instagram story on there and post uh, daily uh, informative uh, pictures on there. And if you want to apply for coaching, then you can go to either of those or both lead you to, uh, to online coaching. If you want to check out my work with flexible dieting lifestyle, then you can uh, go to flexible dieting lifestyle and uh, also apply for, for, for coaching there and look at uh, Zach's recipes. Oh, and, and, and my YouTube channel is uh, just M-A-G-U-E-L-B-L-A-C-U-T-T. And that is where you can find uh, really, if you want to, to see videos of, of me going into, into the science, that, that is where you will find that. Hey guys, I just want to tell you again that your inputs for this podcast will help it grow more than anything and your requests, ideas and comments will contribute to awesome content going live on this channel and podcast more than anything. So if you want to contribute, the best thing you can do is to go on Facebook and look up Sustainable Self-Development. You'll find both the page and the Facebook group that is dedicated to discussions and ideas being thrown around. Go there and note down your comments about what kinds of topics or guests you want to be featured on this podcast and YouTube channel in the future. Just keep in mind the general theme of this podcast and my YouTube channel, which is to help people becoming their best selves in terms of lifestyle as it pertains to fitness and general personal development. This podcast is really dedicated to self-improvement, both physically and mentally. So keep that in mind. So thanks again for tuning in and see you next time.